morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Phil Hawthorne. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan Karamandi. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or any other YAML. All right, Rohan, it's time for 2022.6, so obviously the 1st of June today. But also, Rohan, we've got, I think this month, we are also celebrating five years of the Home Assistant podcast. That's right. That's right. So pretty exciting. It's it's crazy that it's been five years. It has not felt <laughs> know, like this right? long. Uh, what did I look up before? I think it was like 0. 0.45 or something. Yeah, was I think it was 0.45. First... Was the yeah. So five years, yeah. So yeah, big thank you to everyone uh, for listening to the podcast, listening to Rohan and I talk for this many years about Home Assistant. Um, yeah. Special thank you to all the guests that have come on as well over the years. Uh, there's a whole bunch of guests we've got lined up as well. If you're on that list, we are slowly getting to you. Um, apologies. We're, yeah, we're just uh, overwhelmed and humbled by everyone, you know, wanting to come on and talk Home Assistant. It's, yeah, we love it. Um, yeah. And we're glad that the community is here to support us doing it. Yeah. And, and I mean, to add to that too, um, Home Assistant itself is also adding on to the community in terms of uh, expanding how um, creators, so YouTube creators, uh, the podcast ourselves, mm-hmm. and uh, you hopefully you've seen the announcement already, but they, they created what's called the Home Assistant Creator Network. So we're pretty excited to be a part of this. Um, and, you know, we've, uh, I think we've had two meetings now, I think, or two uh, like just video calls, essentially. Mm. Uh, where all of our, uh, you know, we kind of get together and just talk about what's happening and 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 so on, so that we can we can pass this information on to to you more more accurately. And um, I think it's uh, it's just a really cool uh, platform for you know those of us that do do this kind of thing for for the community and uh, and you know kind of centralize that and and you know and any 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 ideas people have or any qualms people have or so uh but uh it's just another it's another it's another place for folks to engage with the home assistant crew um and specifically this one's around the creators so it's it's pretty exciting if you are a creator and and do this kind of stuff there is a i believe there is a sign up still so sign up and uh hopefully we will see you there um if you do any any like podcast youtube stuff surrounding um or twitch or whatever mm. surrounding uh, home, home assistant. So it's pretty cool. Well, one of the things that came out of it uh, too is uh, there's on uh, June 16th or, or approximately around June 16th, uh, there's going to be an exciting announcement. Um, so if you love home assistant, if you love music, uh, check it out and uh, just look for the announcement. I believe they'll post that on the, uh, on the main site there. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about that. Hopefully in the next episode. Mm-hmm. All right. So 2022.6. So we've got some cool new features. Um, one I'm really pleased or really, I'm always excited about new features coming, but this one really, it's always energy stuff, but you can now compare energy data right within our home assistant. So uh, I've got a whole bunch of data from my rainforest Eagle in home assistant. I've, uh, yep. I'm been running the beta can 
hit the compare button and yeah, literally I can compare, you know, what the electricity I use today compared to yesterday can go hour by hour comparisons or day by day. Uh, really cool little feature. Um, and obviously home assistant has a data, so it's going to be good. I'm going to try and uh, gamify my house a little bit. Maybe not as much as Erwin did on the previous episode, um, but, you know, just try and uh, see how I can reduce my energy because obviously that saves money, especially with, you know, energy prices going up around mm-hmm. the world at the moment. Um, so, yeah, really excited to see that. Actually, Rahan, you sent me something on uh, uh, the other during the week as well. Um, yeah. H.A. Snakey. Is yeah, that it's it's something yeah. that somebody posted on uh, on the in the, in the home assistant Facebook group, and I and I saw that, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Uh, yeah. But essentially, it's a it's a good way to kind of visualize. Uh, it's a snaky graph to say, or, or is, it, is it pronounced snaky? Whatever. Yeah, anyway. that's it, right? Like snaky. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 essentially, it's uh, it's one of those graphs that kind of break out to say, hey, this is how much usage you have, and 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 mm. so on. And so, out of a hundred percent, let's break out. You know, fifty percent is actually going to your appliances, and then in that, thirty percent of your appliance uh, usage is going towards your like fridges and like so on and so forth, yep. right? So, uh, it's a pretty neat way to visualize it as well. Um, I thought, so I was like, Hey, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. So, but I am, I am excited to get dive more into the, uh, energy piece. So I did, we did have, uh, Dan Edwards reach out, uh, to me personally and just say, Hey, you know, I've got an extra sense monitor and stuff. So now I've got that. I just need to get my, uh, electrician and I need to get some, uh, nice. I need to move some breakers around and stuff like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, so once uh, once uh, his schedule frees up, then uh, I want to play with the Sense uh, Energy Monitor and, and get some energy monitoring in there too. So Dan, thank you so much. It's uh, I'm pretty stoked for this. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's actually something I'm really looking forward to. So I'm hoping my uh, my electrician has some time in the next I don't know couple of months. <laughs> it seems to be pretty yeah. tied up. So so yeah. All right. Well, yeah, uh, I'm excited for you to get started with like uh, energy monitoring, actually, because I think it's yeah, home assistant is doing it really well. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, I can, yeah, I've got cost breakdowns. I've got you know, just yeah, I'm still working on my uh, individual device usage. Um, I've got a couple of emails that came through from a couple of episodes ago where I sort of dictated my problem about that. So thank you to everyone that reached out with some solutions for that. So when I get some time, yeah, it'd be good to be able to break down the dishwasher, washing machine all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. All right. Um, something near and dear to my heart uh, for this next update, and and that's logs. So uh, it, it's funny because we were talking about this in, in, in the Creator Network chat, and, uh, you know, Frank was pretty excited to talk about this too. And, and uh, like, like I, I kind of share that enthusiasm as, as maybe as much as, uh, you know, as, as a little weird as it is to be like, Oh man, logs. Um, but it, it's <laughs> the, the, the log book got a lot of love uh, this release. So uh, it's actually significantly f- uh, faster and, and better perf- mm. has a ton of better performance. Uh, but essentially behind the scenes, what's happened is, uh, they've slightly changed the way it works as well. So before, you know, it would have to write to the database and then read from their database to say, Hey, you know, this action happened. So it was a little slower. So right now it happens in parallel. So it's actually quite a bit faster, but what's really cool is that, that, that is the logbook data has actually been brought into a few other places. So for example, if you go into uh, your device 
and let's say you have a push button and uh, if you go into the into that push button you'll actually see the uh, log uh, next to it in mm-hmm. the uh, in the devices page for that device and uh, so that's the one where you see you know all your automations for that device is seen and all the different sensors it creates and so on and so uh, forth gotcha so in there you'll see the logbook for example and you can uh, the second you press it, it actually updates saying, Hey, you know, the button has been pressed. So for me, I love this just because it's a, it's a great debug tool. Uh, mm. So if there's, if I'm trying to do something and be like, is this actually working as home assistant seeing it as in my automation, what's happening. Uh, so I can actually go there and it's actually, everything is right there and it's kind of filtered to that device or, or to that uh, set of devices or integrations or whatever. It was pretty cool. Interesting. Cause that's actually going to uh, brings up a point I was going to bring up. Um, I was just on the the logbook page uh, just before we started recording, actually, and I noticed um, that logs are now coming into the browser in real time without me needing to reload. Yeah, the logbook. yeah. So that's pretty cool. If that, it, I don't know if that's been in there before or if it's nope. just coming this release. But this, this release that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And and the cool thing here too is. Uh, because of that, uh, you can actually start to, at a global level, you can start to see there, there's only one caveat there, and that is that uh, the logbook filter time that, that you're looking at has to end mm. in the future. So if it ended at like, right. uh, let, let's say it's 945 right now and you ended it at 944 or at 945, yep. you're only going to see information up to that date. So think of it almost as like a capture stop time, right? So yep. when am I going to stop capturing those logs? Um, but if you, if I put it out for like, you know, 10 o'clock and say, okay, like it's, it's set for nine, it's currently nine forty-five. I'm setting it up for 10 o'clock. Great. Well, um, I'm going to see that until that time comes in because, uh, obviously that's in, uh, in the future. So yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I think, I think maybe I got a little too excited about this, but it, but it is, it is to me, this is actually really cool. Um, just to be able to bring in a lot of those, uh, a lot of that data is, just having been that person that spent, you know, correlating timestamps, being like, "Ah, oh, did it actually do this? Is this when I thought it was, and whatever." But you can actually live yeah. see it as it happens. That's uh, that's big uh, for me, and and that same kind of real time uh, stream that you're talking about, Phil, is in mm. these couple of uh, in 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 all of those pages as well. So I'm really liking also this now. They're also linking uh, state changes. Uh, and triggers to that logbook entry, right? So, for example, uh, I can see that an automation was triggered by this motion sensor being mm-hmm. turned on or turned off. Um, I think I could see in the Bayesian sensors in the history, it would say, okay, the Bayesian sensor is now turned off because the state of this device changed and it's reduced the probabilities, blah, 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 and away it goes. So being able to see why things are happening now um, and relating that back to uh, the logbook is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So really, uh, really neat, um, I don't know, update in, in that sense. Um, mm. Again, it's one of those things that, uh, I don't want to say doesn't get a ton of love because it does, clearly. But it's one of those things that I think is a lot of people forget is a useful tool, um, myself yeah. included, right? Like, again, until until I heard, uh, until I was reading this and until I heard them talking about you know, what the logbook is really bringing into this. And I was like, right, we can do all of that stuff, right? Mm. Um, so super handy. I don't know. I really like it. And uh, I think you will too. Absolutely. 
Something else uh, cool that was brought in as well is uh, OAuth. So if you're adding an integration that has uh, that's bringing in OAuth, uh, it's OAuth 2, it's the standard. But uh, essentially what we can do now is there's uh, you can actually leverage that uh, My Home Assistant link. So if you go on the Home Assistant integration page, you know, you know that little blue button that says, hey, add to my, uh, add to my Home Assistant. So that's basically... Uh, I sp- a special type of URL that's that's there, which is like my.homeassistant.com or whatever whatever that is, whatever that URL mm-hmm. it maps to. But essentially one of the one of the interesting things here is that there's a lot of stuff in OAuth that uh like there's like a lot of you have to return a redirect URL in in whatever service mm-hmm. it is that you're setting up. So I guess you know and we can back up a little bit here just at yeah, a high yeah. level. So OAuth is a standard protocol where it allows a user to authenticate two services together, generally yeah. through an, an API. So you would have used this if you've you know used Facebook, and Facebook is asking you, would you like to allow you know XXX to yeah. access you know your Facebook profile? Same with um, Spotify. You know, Home is requesting access to your Spotify account. Do you allow this? That is essentially part of the OAuth flow, and to uh, allow you know multiple systems to talk to each other. There's certain standards, you yeah. know, like your ZigBee, Z-Wave sort of rules that have to be followed, and you know OAuth has its own rules that need to be followed. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, what's what's really cool here is with that now through the through that OAuth process, you can actually leverage that my.homeassistant link essentially, right? So. The other piece here, so so uh, as part of, so OAuth itself is a very, very complex protocol, if you want to call it. Well, it, it is a protocol, mm. it's not, not if you want to call it, it, it is a protocol. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is extremely complex. And and one of the things with these kind of protocols, and, and we see this even with ZigBee and stuff like this, is uh, when it's an open standard, it's also open to interpretation, right? So what happens is a lot of times you'll have people that need very specific things. So sometimes they won't allow internal URLs. So you can't go like, you know, whatever, like 192.168. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I know Facebook requires an OAuth app. It needs to be redirecting over HTTPS, for example, and needs to you know, have a domain name. Exactly. And then some people don't allow like port numbers. So like, for example, mm-hmm. by default, Home Assistant runs on port 8123. So it's like, well, okay, we can't have that. Okay. So so my Home Assistant really brings in a lot of uh, interesting uh fastest there where it is https it is uh it is uh there's no um, specific port for, tied to it there's yeah and and it's public reachable but it's actually a secure way to get back to your private instance right once once you link that so there's a cool uh synergy there if you want to call it that i hate that word but i don't know why i just said that but th- th- <laughs> there's 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 a cool cool link there right between uh between home assistant and whatever oauth app you're using which is to me, it's pretty cool. The other thing that's there as well is if you're using one of these uh, devices with, like, again, the application credentials. So, especially with OAuth, there's um, there's a couple of values. So think of it almost like an API key, right? Where you have like your secret and then you have a key, whatever it is. Um, in in OAuth, it's it's similar. You have a what's called a client ID and a client secret. And uh, with those specific services, what we can do as well is we can actually keep those. So right now, you still leverage that. So for example, with the Spotify integration, um, I have that installed and I have my OAuth uh, keys there in my config.yaml. Now, because when you want to set up Spotify, you have to tell 
Spotify, you have to create an app within Spotify. I think you have to go into developers.spotify and create an OAuth app. And that way, you know, you're saying, yep, I need a, an app yeah. to uh, allow a third party system to access my data. Exactly. A lot of times they, they, they try and avoid that because it is a bit of a complicated flow. But, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and the documentation covers all of that, right? So don't don't bother trying to be like, okay, I'm, what am I trying to do here? Like, like, just go through the documentation. So for, again, for specifically Spotify as an example, if you look at the Home Assistant uh, integration page for Spotify, it'll actually go through and actually say, hey, this is what you have to do, right? And, and same with any of the other, uh, other apps too, I think like Xbox and like that kind of stuff. So, but with this, you can actually pick whatever integrations there that uh, that you're picking. So I'll, I'll pick on Xbox, for example. So if I want to add Xbox, um, if I go to the integrations uh, page where I add my services there, I can do add integration and I'll type Xbox. And then in there, it'll actually say, hey, um, there's actually a uh, uh, a need for these kind of credentials. Do you want us to store it in the application credential here it, within Home Assistant. So now you don't have to do it in your config.yaml. It's all done through the front end and nice and easy. Uh, I th- believe that will be getting deprecated at some point. Um, I think it, this release calls for the deprecation, but it's going to be around for a couple of... I'm assuming, so when you set up your Spotify uh, OAuth app on developers or Spotify, there will be, you know, this is your OAuth client ID and client mm-hmm. secret. So now you can paste them directly into the config in Home Assistant as opposed to needing to put them in a YAML file? They actually added it as part of a flow. So if I actually click on, uh, like I just tried NetAtmo, for example, right? Mm. So I typed that one because that's one that requires an OAuth and uh, it actually has fired it off to uh, like auth.netatmo.com, whatever, to go authenticate, login, and then we can bring those pieces in. Again, the instructions the instructions kind of have it laid out in terms of how it works and what you need to do. Just know that this is a good thing and it's a lot easier uh, to do it this way. So uh, very complicated to explain. As well. It's, it, it is extremely complicated to explain. So I'm, I apologize <laughs> if I've actually confused anybody more than, more than uh, I should have, but uh, it's, it's one of those concepts that is, that is actually a little difficult, uh, but um uh, yeah, it's it's that's another uh, thing that I think again just makes life a lot easier um, overall. Because before you had to go and do all this extremely complex, hey, let's follow one thing to the other to the other to the other to the other. Well, now it's you know one or two less steps at least, right? So it's mm. pretty good. And I guess now that they're making this you know available to at least those initial integrations, mm. moving forward, new integrations will be able to use this flow. Um, which will make it a whole lot easier for yeah. people to use in the future. Yeah, and and if you don't already have the setup, it's just it's the same flow as setting up a new integration, right? So it's no different than going in and adding a Zigbee device or something like that. But in this case, whatever service that requires it. So again, NetAtmo, for example, or Spotify or Xbox or whatever. Great, you go click yeah. Xbox, and you can it'll actually just fire off the auth page there. Um, yeah, so it's kind of cool. Nice. All right. Calendar trigger offsets are now available. So 2022.5 introduced uh, the concept of calendar triggers. So now you can have offsets for those triggers. So you can have an automation trigger 15 minutes before your next meeting or 10 minutes before, um, you know, the bins need to be taken out, you know, anything like that. So 
that's very cool to see that being worked on. Yeah, the last release had some, uh, I think, brought in the calendar triggers. So that's, you know, it's already mm. getting a little more uh, love there, So which is nice. Um, database performance. So again, in addition to the logbook, uh, the database performance has actually increased. But it, it's funny because there's a, you know, there's more optimization. There's a size reduction from 25 to 40%, whatever. But it, it's funny because at this point, it's like it is it's it's pretty fast so regardless you know will you notice it maybe but uh but uh it, it's nice that it's that constant improvement piece right um so something that i am personally not sure of but apparently a lot of people asked for yaml is now the default page when loading the developer tools pane yeah um so i think we touched on it in our last episode you know the you know, the check configuration, restart mm-hmm. server buttons, reload automations, all that sort of, all those buttons that were moved as part of the new uh, settings design in the last release sort of got pushed into a YAML area under developer tools. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to take me a while to uh, get used to not hitting developer tools and just being able to filter all the entities straight away in that states panel. Um, I'm very used to that states panel being default. So kind of, I mean, it's a developer's tool still remembers where you left off, right? Um, so does it really? It does. Oh yes, of course it does. Yes. So I mean, even so, like, I'm still. I generally, you know, sometimes I have a browser that doesn't remember my login, login for so then I'm logging in all, all the time and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it might, it might take a couple of clicks in that case. But I mean, for the most part, again, but even even for the folks that are saying, hey, I want the YAML page front and center first, it is the first yeah. tab now. It's, it's just, it's all they've done is just move it, right? But uh, yeah. but essentially, that means if you still left off on like statistics or events or whatever that is, and you go back into that page, it's going to open up back into that statistics or events or wherever you left off, right? Um, so keep that one in mind. Gotcha. Um, system health. So the system health menu now shows, uh, information about the database. So versions and uh, your average, uh, database size or your approximate database size, uh, things like that. So, you know, nice little piece of information there too, I guess. Uh, material design icons has been upgraded. There's with, uh, what, 6.7.95 now, um, which brings in 100 new icons to home assistant. So. And apparently, a lot of those a uh, lot of those icons are home automation related, so it's kind of cool. Mm, perfect. Ring. So this one's kind of neat. Uh, so the Ring uh, doorbell actually uh, now can be rung from your uh, Home Assistant instance. So before, one thing you couldn't do is actually ding dong from Home Assistant, right? <laughs> Uh, so now you can virtually press that button. So you can start to, that, but that also means you can use Ring to, um, as part of your alerts and things like that, right? So maybe there's something important you want to do. And uh, but I'm but struggling I, to find a use case for this. I, I know, but, I know, me too. It's a bit of a stretch, <laughs> but but it is. Uh, I, I guess that functionality. So all you're is exposed, really doing so. is you you're basically just. Uh, from my understanding of reading the notes, because I haven't tried it on my own doorbell yet, is you're mimicking or being able to uh, pretend someone is pressing the doorbell button. Yeah. Um, and then making the doorbell, you know, do its ding, send your alerts to your phone, start recording. Maybe there's, maybe that's a use case. You know, if your motion sensor outside detects someone's moving around, 
Yeah, or maybe maybe you want to add an extra preemptively ring the doorbell for them. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe you want to add like an extra button somewhere else. So maybe buy like a like a Zigbee button or or mm. you know whatever. Put it put it somewhere else, and then maybe on your you have your ring at your front door, and then you push that, and it can be a secondary button for for that. I don't know. Is, is there a good use case there? I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's still cool that uh, that you can do it. It's yeah, I'd rather not have it there. I guess I was going to say I'd rather I'd rather it be there and me not use it than it not have it. And then I don't know what yeah. I'm missing out on yeah. otherwise, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some new integrations, Phil. Big ass fans. I love this companies just for the name, um, but I also love how open they are to IoT. So they're a pretty popular fan company in the US, I believe. Not yeah. sure if they're international. Um, so yeah, there's uh, integration uses local push. Um, and they are really big ass fans. Yeah, they're, they're, if you haven't seen them, they are pretty cool. And and their logo's a donkey, so who doesn't love that? <laughs> Geocaching. So uh, it's it's if you're not familiar with what it is, it's basically an outdoor adventure. Uh, a lot of people uh, do this. It, it it actually seems pretty cool. I've always wanted to do it. I just haven't. But uh, you can use a geocaching app and. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Kind of like capture the flag kind of thing, but you can always like, you can, you can, you know, find these like hidden containers and things mm. like that, that are called geocaches. Right. Reminds me of um, Pokemon. Was it Pokemon go? Yeah. Yeah. Like that? that just before the pandemic hit, they were, everyone was running around and catching all these Pokemon. Right. Yeah. Except in real life. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So well, this is the same thing essentially. Right. Yeah. Kind of. Right. And then yeah. so you can uh, you, you can now uh, have a lot of uh, you can now bring that into Home Assist and do things like how many have you found? How many is hidden? You know, what are some of your favorite points and things like that? It's a good way to discover places, too. Right. Because, like, you know, hmm. some might be hidden in like a park somewhere and be like, oh, I've never been here. That's kind of cool. Like whatever. Right. That's a, that's a kind of cool one. Again, what are you what are you going to do with a lot of the stuff in Home Assistant? I don't know, but still pretty cool. I think this is also done potentially by an official developer for this game um, into Home Mrs. Knight on the release note says like, you know, like authorized developer or something. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess someone at geocaching or caching, however you want to pronounce it, is yeah. uh, a pretty big Home Assistant user. Good to see. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty neat. Around where I live, apparently, I just, I just went to uh, geocaching.com. Apparently, right around where I live, there's 1,924 geocaches around us. So, yeah. Well, someone's got to be out. I can't. I don't. I just. I don't get these Pokemon Go, the this sort of games, right? I guess a lot of people really get into them. Yeah. Um, just something to but, do, I guess. And it's a good way to get around, right? Get out of the house and do something. Yeah. I think Google have tried to experiment with something similar, right? Like get extra points when you go out and see this milestone or, or landmark or whatever they're called now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, here's a IoT gadget that I think is a little bit of overkill. Uh, Laundrify. So it is essentially a smart plug that can tell you when your washing machine is finished. Uh, so I'm guessing now that seems... Uh, it seems pretty overkill to me. Um, you can do the same thing with any smart energy monitoring plug and a binary sensor in Home Assistant. But Laundrify gives you the same 
uh, features and requires the cloud. So yeah. if you've got a Laundrify device, there you go. Um, iAlarm XR. So it's a cloud-based alarm uh, control panel that now integrates with Home Assistant. And also Yolink, which is cloud-based IoT sensors. Mm-hmm. Um, they include contact sensors, humidity sensors. Um, actually, Rohan, they've got a, a whole IoT ecosystem. I don't know. If, have you heard of Yolink before? Uh, not until earlier this week. Mm. I uh, If you go on their website, they... Uh, they sort of break down their like use cases for all their like gadgets. One of them I thought was really interesting, um, you know, is if you have a boat, here's what you can do. Right? And it's essentially, you know, you put a contact sensor on the front door or below deck. You can put like water level sensors, you know, detect when your boat hull is breached or something like that. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. they uh, sort of break down. You know, I think they've even got like a you know, make a smart, make any fridge into a smart fridge by having, you know, contact sensors for leaving the door open too long, temperature sensors if the temperature's changed. Um, yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of stuff that they claim you can do. A lot of the sensors that, or they're just standard sensors that you can get, you know, from Xiaomi or wherever else. But yeah, pretty cool little ecosystem they've got there. That's neat. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong one because these guys are... Oh no! Yeah, there's. I think it is the right one because they're. Uh, yeah, it looks like they leverage LoRa too. For, oh, interesting. Uh, um, some of this stuff. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. They and they they are one of those that are in that uh, OAuth uh, ecosystem there too. So ah, uh, nice. Which is why I've heard of them now. Um, there you go. <laughs> all right, let's talk about some breaking changes. Um, MQTT. So this is a big one. Mm. so and there's a bit of time so usually they give two uh two releases this one's got three releases um for deprecation Mm. uh or support rather that's how big it is yeah yeah so mqtt essentially so today the way you do it is you would create a sensor saying uh like light and then here's my mqtt sensor under that light uh, essentially what's happening is that's all kind of moving into that main MQTT. Um, wow. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, key. Yeah. Move it into like it's dedicated key. Yeah. So, so you go into the MQTT key. So where you type MQTT colon and then, and then under there, you would start to bring in saying, Hey, okay, here's my fan. Here's my lights. Here's my whatever. So it's kind of taken, uh, taken the opposite approach of what it was before. Um, this is actually part of a um, design. I forget what they're called. Design reviews or wh- whatever, whatever architecture reviews that Home Assistant yeah, has. Yeah. Those ADRs that they have. The ADRs. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a part of that, um, and it's actually just adhering to to that ADR that uh, that's been set up for a while. I wanted to say it was like seven or something like mm-hmm. that. Like it's. Uh, I don't so I've noticed. Templates have been doing the same right now. You know, there's a the template key that you can use to define, you know, your binary sensors and your sensors. So I'm, I'm assuming that that will eventually get moved over as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So so essentially what happens is with this ADR, uh, oh, yeah, I think it is ADR7. Wow, why did I remember <laughs> that? I don't know. Uh, but it's uh, essentially to standardize a lot of those kind of things. So it is annoying, but it's uh, it's kind of a good thing 
Um, just because again, now everything starts to fall into that place. So your packages, all of that stuff will still be there. It's just a matter of, and you can literally even copy and paste or cut and paste from where it is today under like your fan or light or whatever it is, and just yep. move it under the MQTT, uh, bucket. And that should be good. So just, uh, something to note because that will affect a lot of people that do use MQTT today. Um, but if you use discovery, you don't need to worry about it because MQTT discovery will take care of that. Oh, excellent. All right, so here we were talking about the OAuth uh, changes before. So here's the breaking changes that go with that. So the following integrations, Google Calendars, Home Connect, Honeywell Lyric, uh, Nieto, yep, Nieto, Nieto. Yeah, it's Nieto. Yeah, yeah. Nieto, okay. <laughs> uh, Netatmo, Spotify, Things, and Xbox. So all of the configurations of these OAuth applications, um, are being migrated to the configuration via the UI. Um, so configuring these OAuth application credentials via YAML has been deprecated and will be removed in a future Home Assistant release. I'm assuming that will be 2022.8, but you may get some extra time as well. Yeah. Uh, Somfy. So if you use a Somfy integration, uh, they've actually replaced their, op- uh, their open API, which is cloud-based today, with a local mm. API. Um, so they've decided to shut down their cloud API after June 21st. So if you do use uh, Somfy today, that will break. Um, there's an Overkiz integration, um, O-V-E-R-K-I-Z. I don't know how to pronounce that. But uh, leverage that integration as a replacement in this case. Uh, if, if you still want to use the cloud, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, But it's, uh, it's a nice, uh, I don't know, I mean... At least, at least from what I'm reading, it, it's kind of a, this is the way to kill a cloud service, right? This is like, I am actually quite impressed. Um, they've replaced the cloud-based, uh, you know, API with a local one that is accessible. And it makes perfect sense, one, from the business um, in that they're yeah. closing down something that costs them money, which is a, running a cloud API. And they're keeping their customers happy because they're replacing it with a local API so customers can still use the, an API to control their blinds. So, yeah, I think if anyone in the future, like any companies in the future, wanted to close down a, a cloud API, this is something to take some notes from. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, push it to the cloud or push it to local so that I don't have to throw out my device or, or yep. whatever, whatever product you you've sold me. Right. Um, and I'm going to say, uh, you know, half of the services. I mean, we, we know it's some, it's still a little soon for Insteon users, unfortunately, but <laughs> yes. you know, this is, this is kind of the way to do it. But in, Insteon actually does have a local API. So I guess I can't, I can't bash them too much for that one, but it's just, you know, provide some other mechanism rather than just pulling the shutters down. Right. Yep. Um, did you see the tweet by Paulus? I think just like la- early, late last week, um, talking about Matter. So yeah. he wrote, you know, if Matter is launching and it looks like um, it is going to launch, um, be suspicious of cloud products whose functionality can be uh, one-to-one replaced by Matter. Manufacturers will sell new Matter products with no cloud. Um, so their cloud costs money. Um, and is only used for old products, they'll turn it off. So, yeah, definitely um, something to keep you an eye on in the future. 
Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of chatter around around matter. That... <laughs> chatter matter. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm partially maybe proud that's of myself a, that's for that. This is a podcast title, podcast title, um, matter chatter. There you that's go. That's right. That's right. Uh, but but there there is a lot of a uh, lot of talk around matter, right? Just uh, so I believe there's a conference at the end of the end of June. Uh, mm-hmm. around matter and uh, i know somebody on the home assistant team is going there um, i believe but you know it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of it and uh just to you know basically to bring in uh the new it's a new standard but it's not but it is but kind yeah, right? of yeah and, and uh zigbee is it zigbee what is it right like yeah, yeah. So it's like okay. So I, I mean, it's defined. It, it it is what it is, right? But again, a lot of it is around local control. A lot of it is around, and and the nice thing is there's support from folks like Amazon and Google, and yeah. So uh, that to me is pretty large, just because again, uh, and and I believe what is it? Google Homes can technically already do it. There's no real devices that are that are doing it today, but but I think it's it's actually uh, the next generation devices at least for sure will be doing them. I believe some of the current gen ones may be able to do it in hardware. Maybe they just haven't pushed this off or something like that. Yep. But that also means that there's going to be a large, <laughs> you're going to see a large deprecation of Amazon Echoes and Google Homes and that kind of things eventually. I think it's also um, telling that a lot of uh, typical like Z Wave uh, manufacturers are moving over to Zigbee as well. You know, for AOTech, for Baro. Um, they're starting to produce Zigbee radio devices now as well, so mm. could be a you know a sign that matter is definitely getting close and will potentially uh, swallow up a lot of market share of existing protocols. You know, maybe one day Z-Wave will be the X10 um, that yeah we talk about now. I mean, I mean, hopefully not going the way of the dodo because that way it's still a still a decent protocol right like oh yeah um, it's rock solid right yeah exactly and and again for i mean to extend's credit for for its time it was also amazing mm. i think today one of the things they do better uh in in z wave z wave however you want to say it is the security in there right like uh so i think i think there is a little more thought out security if you want to call it that um yep. But hopefully Matter, again, I haven't looked too much into Matter, but hopefully it does bring in some of those uh, elements there as well, right? That would be kind of cool. All right, Sonos. Uh, So the Sonos Join and the Sonos Unjoin services will be removed in 2022.8. So they'll be moving over to the Media Player Join and the Media Player Unjoin services. Yeah. Um, and Z-Wave JS, uh, speaking of, uh, another version bump is needed before you upgrade. All right. Uh, so that, yeah, is 2022.6 in a little nutshell. Um, so, yeah, before we go, a couple of other points. Um, we had lots of feedback on water level sensors uh, from Erwin's episode. So many people, clearly it's a hot topic um, around mm-hmm. the home automation scene. So we're going to leave uh, some links and dot points in the show notes um, for devices that were recommended to Erwin um, and myself. So, yeah, we'll leave them in the show notes on haspodcast.io. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and uh, follow-up from PJ. So in 2022.4, uh, PJ emailed about some changes uh, in the Nest API. And uh, he had a solution for his problem. 
he was able to uh, follow some instructions and uh, community posts, which kind of, again, you know, you know how it is. One thing leads to another, whatever. <laughs> and uh, saw a video from uh, from Ryan on the Smart House uh, channel on YouTube. So essentially leveraging a Docker container, uh, sorry, leveraging the Homebridge Docker container, it can be a relay for some of the Nest devices. So again, we'll leave a link to that too. So it's kind of cool. And uh, I think we're going to try and get Ryan from the Smart House on uh, an episode coming up soon as well. So Very cool. stay tuned for that. All right. Cool. Rahan, any it. rants this week or sorry, this month, I should say. <sighs> I mean, I, there was a little freak storm where I was left without power for yeah. 30, 30 <laughs> something hours, which I mean, sucked, but had to throw out some food and stuff, but everything is, you know, the house is still intact. Everything is good. So can't complain too much. So just grateful. Any automation learnings that you could take from being without power for so long? It was, did you have a UPS? Did we going to get a UPS now? If you had a UPS, what would you have done differently? I mean, the UPS isn't going to last thirty whatever hours. Sure. <laughs> I, I I do have a UPS. It lasts like, but the UPS is also configured to shut down my stuff in like I think after like four or five minutes of no power, just to protect did that my work NAS in this case. Yeah. Yep, yep, it did. It did. Nice. What um, UPS are you using? I don't even remember. I think it's an APC uh, mm-hmm. UPS that I have in my basement, but. Um, you know, one thing I would love is something like a, you know, like a Tesla battery or something like that. But yeah, power. Uh, yeah, like a Powerwall. Sorry, and but like uh, I don't know. Does is the cost justified? Right? Do I want to spend? Mm. I don't. Even, I don't even know how much they cost. I'm assuming like way more than like a generator, yep. right? Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Will I will I get it? Almost definitely not. I just I just don't know if the cost is justified for the once every like few years also, that we would have this. Would uh Tesla Power will last thirty six hours? Like I doubt it. Yeah, I mean maybe paired with like a solar panel, yeah. Um mm. but again now now I'm looking into the like at least tens plus thousands of dollars. Yep. And you know, again, is that worth the few hours of like how much how much worth of food not again i'm a huge i i hate throwing out food and stuff like that especially Mm. when it was perfectly fine um but like how much how much am i saving by doing that when i can just like you know leave and go to parents house or something like that um i guess unless we have uh i guess it was like 2008 or something like that we had the major blackout in like the eastern uh, side of North America. And uh, mm-hmm. so, which lasted a few days, unless we have something like that, it's like, mm, do I really, what am I, what am I really gaining here? Right. But, uh, and, and at that point, like I'm not going anywhere and doing anything anyways. So, <laughs> you know, whatever, but, uh, but yeah, again, just, uh, just grateful that it was only a bit of food that we had to throw out and, uh, other than that, everybody's everybody's safe. There were unfortunately a few people that died uh, because of that. Like literally, like giant trees getting uprooted and falling on people wow. and stuff. It's 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 it was crazy. But uh, I think the numbers in like the tens. Yep. So um, could be worse, I guess. But you know, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's crazy. But that's it from me. Well, Rahan's rant done for another month. Thank That's you very right. much. <laughs> All right. I should just get my own section at this point. No kidding. <laughs> That's it. No, That's nobody, it. nobody wants to hear that. <laughs>
All right. Um, yep. So we'll leave links, obviously, to um, the stuff for uh, that PJ sent through uh, for his Nest uh, Homebridge Docker. Um, yeah. Otherwise, we'll uh, speak to you all in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.